This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love wow. even now. Man, good morning, folks. Man, how about you? I'm having a great Sunday. I, I drove down US 460 from Richmond or outside Richmond. Did not get a speeding ticket going through Wakefield or Waverly. It's a good Sunday. Um, to know that, that you preach somewhere and Luke, remember what, I, what I've said, that makes a preacher's day right there because we preach a lot. And sometimes you're wondering, Brother Luke, if anybody's really catching on to anything. But I still do believe that. Do you believe it's all about Jesus? Say amen. Amen. I meet Trey. Trey's at NC State. Uh, uh, I'm, my dad and my wife are state graduates. If uh, you're a fan of the UNC Tar Heels, I'll say this on our behalf, Trey. Um, you can come up and we'll talk with you and you can repent after the service. All right, that's all I'm saying. No, man, so that was, man, that's awesome to hear what's going on in Trey's life. We have a young man out of our church who's doing the same program, I think, that Trey's doing. He's actually down in Alabama uh, working with a firm down there. And, of course, good to be at this church. And we have, a, I won't go into all of it. We I have a lot of connections with you all. I really do. I think it's my first time ever to preach here, though. And, um, of course, I've known Thurman for a long time. And, uh, and it's, uh, I think we were probably going through seminary about the same time with each other. And uh, so I think the world of him, and I know that they're having a, a good sabbatical. And thank you, church, for, for loving on your pastoral staff and their families. Thank you for looking after them. Um, like I said, a, a lot more connections with this church, too. I, I won't go in all, too, all into that, but so thankful for your pastoral staff, Thurman, David, and Wilson. Wilson, thank you. Uh, it's good to see you and your wife again and appreciate the way that you've looked after me this morning. Wilson's mom serves on our board of directors, actually, right now. His dad did before. Of course, uh, Thurman's been, uh, and, and their, your whole staff, so involved with us. So uh, I'm just here to say thank you, first of all, all right? But I am going to be preaching from Acts chapter 3. So find that in your Bibles, Acts chapter 3. Um, I believe it's about 195 years that your church has been proclaiming Christ. I have that about right. You get to about 195 years old, just kind of like, yeah, that sounds about right. Amen? Um, uh, Wilson mentioned I served at Kempsville Baptist Church over in Virginia Beach. I served there right out of seminary, and that church is over 200 years old. And uh, Virginia has some churches that are a couple centuries old. And it's really amazing uh, to see those churches, like First Baptist Church of Suffolk, still so, so focused on proclaiming Christ to this community and making him known across this nation and around the world. So I just want to say thank you for your partnership in the gospel. Uh, SBCV's mission is really to come alongside churches like yours, local churches, advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ together to reach our neighbors and the nations. And we're seeing the Lord do that. So thank you for your partnership in the gospel, for your prayers, for your stewardship, for your efforts, for your partnership. I think about the fact that we have, for instance, hundreds, ladies, I'll say a word to you, hundreds of our sisters in Christ that are joined together across our state, involved in ministry and mission. So thankful for, for what God is doing amongst the sisters of the SBCV, really helping lead out in many of our prayer efforts and many of our mission project efforts. Uh, we're seeing hundreds of folks being trained for children's ministry. Next Gen is on the move. Wilson, you were just talking about how God is at work through this church. 
Just the other week, we had several groups of students from SBCV churches ministering in Bristol, Virginia, made the front page news there in Bristol. And then I think about what's happening internationally. And of course, Thurman serves on the board of our Southern Baptist International Mission Board. Last year, now think about this, last year in the midst of this world still grappling with trying to come out of these after effects of this pandemic, 422 new international mission, new ones, new international missionaries were sent, over 400 just last year, amen? Just put your hands together and praise God for that. God is on the move. He's working through your church. But as amazing as that is, and that's something to celebrate, listen to me. We have more access, we have more resources, perhaps more opportunities than any other Christians in the age of the church. But here's what I want you to hear me say today. Here's the bottom line. We can't, we cannot serve the Lord and reach people in our own power, in our own strength. That's what I wanna share with you from Acts chapter three today. Because the point of what you're see, you'll see in Acts chapter three is that Peter makes it clear that it is the power of Jesus Christ that makes the difference in a person's life. Let me just read the first 10 verses for you. Acts chapter three, verses one through 10. Listen to God's word. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms. He was begging. He was asking alms of those entering the temple. Verse three, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. He asked them to give him a handout. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said this, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But then look at verse six. But Peter said, and I underline this in my Bible, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and he raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and he began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. There's power in the name of Jesus. So this morning, I just wanna share with you why we are to be about proclaiming Christ to our neighbors and the nations. It's because of the awesome power of Jesus Christ. He heals broken people in amazing ways. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray right now that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord God. You are my rock and my redeemer. Lord, thank you for the blessing of being here today and already enjoying a time of worship and fellowship with these my loved ones, brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, I pray your blessing on this church, this lighthouse, and this community. 
on their pastors and their families, on their deacons and on their leaders, and on every single person who calls this church their church family. And I pray for the soul. I pray for the souls that might be in this room right now. And they're not sure, they're not sure if they have a relationship with you, Lord Jesus. I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. And perhaps, Lord, there's someone here today and they're just burdened about a situation or they're burdened for a person. And I pray today, Lord, that they won't give up that they'll keep pressing on in the name of Jesus, that today our hearts will be encouraged. In Christ's name we ask this, amen, amen. Well, there's a story that I think about when I read this passage of scripture. And credit goes to the famed radio commentator, uh, Paul Harvey, who told about this mom who took her little three-year-old son with her to the grocery store one afternoon. And she just wanted to pick up a few items from the store, and she, she, she wanted him to get that, all right? So she did what, 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 what parents will do. She you know, just tried to explain to him that, that the day wasn't going to be the day for him to start begging her for everything under the sun inside the grocery store. So she, you know, walks into the grocery store, gets the shopping cart, puts him in the shopping cart, buckles him in, you know, like we do, and she looks at him and she says, now listen to me, son. Mommy wants to be really, really clear with you today. Now, I know a lot of times we come to the grocery store, sometimes I get you, I get you a treat, like some chocolate chip cookies, but today, do not pester me do not beg me for chocolate chip cookies all right because it's not going to happen we have plenty of stuff at home and I just need to run in and get a few things so we can get back home and get ready for the rest of the evening all right do you understand what mommy's telling you son yes mommy and they go into the grocery store and no sooner they've been in the store you know how three-year-olds can be he's tugging on her and he's pointing because they're smart they're smart. He knows exactly where the chocolate chip cookies are kept in that grocery store. And he starts pointing over there. Mommy, mommy, I want to go get some chocolate chip cookies. He says, son, I told you when we, were, when we got in here, don't be asking me, don't beg me anymore for chocolate chip cookies. He goes, okay, mommy. And she's walking around. She's getting some stuff here and there and this and that, this and that. And all of a sudden, wouldn't you know it, she needed to pick up some, uh, some crackers. And her grocery store is just like mine. Crackers and cookies are on the same aisle. You know what I'm talking about? And there she is. And he sees him. He's sitting there right next to the chocolate chip cookies. Mommy, they're right there. She says, son, I told you once. I told you twice. No chocolate chip cookies. So she presses on. She turns the corner. And when you know right there in the middle of the aisle, there's one of those little tiny little tables set up where they have stuff sitting on it. What, what do you think was on that particular table? You got it. Chocolate chip cookies. He sees those and he's just having a fit. And she, gets, she looks around. You got to look around nowadays. People got video cameras. And she, she gets down and she says, son, listen to me. Don't you ask me again for any chocolate chip cookies. Am I clear? He kind of hunkers down after being scolded. He's like, yes, mommy, yes, mommy. So she gets a few more things. She heads to the checkout. She gets into the checkout line. And right there next to the chewing gum and the candy are these conveniently packaged four packs of Chip Ahoy chocolate chip cookies. And he sees those and he knows. He knows this is it. And while she's unloading stuff, that little guy unbuckles his seatbelt, stands up in the shopping cart, reaches his hands to the heavens and screams out in his loudest voice, in the name of Jesus, would somebody get me some chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> and everybody around her started laughing this and that. And the story goes that that little guy did not leave the store with a pack of chocolate chip cookies. He left there with 40 packs of chocolate chip cookies because everybody in the store bought him one and brought one over and handed it to him. And so I'm just here to tell you today, somewhere in the world is a grown man who believes there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen?
And that's really what I want to just remind you of today, all right? Three reasons, three reasons that I find in this text for no more lame excuses about proclaiming Christ and reaching out to our neighbors in the nations. Here's number one. Keep pressing on in the name of Jesus because of hopeless persons, hopeless people. Look at what the Bible says. Verse 1, Peter and John, I love the fact that they're there going out together. Reminds me of Luke chapter 10 when Jesus sent them out two by two. Peter and John going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That'd be about 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And there's the man, lame from birth. Get the picture. He's been brought there. The Bible says he was carried there, and they laid him daily there at the beautiful gate. It's a particular location there at, what, at where the temple was. And they would lay him there. And here's what would happen. is every single day, his routine was someone would have enough mercy on him to carry him, and they'd lay him at that particular doorway. And he would wait there, and he would beg for alms. He would beg for a handout as people were walking in to go about their religious activity in the temple. And you see, one, one of the virtues there in the Jewish religion was that of giving alms. And so it was a great place to be. Before folks would walk in for their worship service or for whatever they're going to be doing as their religious activity, they would see him. He'd be asking for some alms. And he knew it was a good spot to be because he was probably going to get a handout. And so that's what's happening. But get the picture. A man lame from birth. And this is what he does every single day. It's a hopeless, helpless, really in some respects seemingly useless way to go about your daily life. And he's right outside the temple. Now what always strikes me when I read this is everybody who passed this man knew he was lame. They could see it. They could see in his legs the way they were positioned, the way he held himself. They knew that there was weakness in those legs. They knew he'd been lame. The Bible's very clear since birth. This didn't happen from just an accident. This wasn't psychosomatic. It wasn't just in his mind. This man had never, ever stood on his own two legs a day in his life. That had been his existence. And I'm telling you, back in this day in particular, it would have been a sentence of helplessness and in many respects, hopelessness. But what always strikes me here is this man knew he was lame. This man knew he was needy. I think about all the folks that walk by in Wilson every single day. See, this man in his physical condition, they, they, he knew, he knew he had need. What I think about is all those folks who walked by him every day in that temple who were spiritually lame, who were in spiritual need. But yet, maybe because of their success, maybe because they had a good job, maybe because they were financially prosperous, Maybe because of their background, whatever their situation, for whatever reason, even though they went about their religious activity, they didn't realize how hopeless they were without Jesus Christ. And the reality is, is all around us, even in this room, think about the reality as if you did not have Jesus Christ in your life. How hopeless would we be? How hopeless 
would we be if we could not have sung these songs today reminding us of Jesus Christ? How hopeless would this city be? How hopeless would this town be if there weren't churches that, that celebrated and proclaimed Jesus Christ? Oh, I know we kind of sometimes shake our head and what we see going on in this world and for good reason, but loved ones, understand this. Can you just imagine what hope would there be for America? What hope would there be for this world if Jesus Christ was not real? Loved ones, today, I want you to keep pressing on in the name of Jesus because of hopeless persons. Chuck Swindoll in his book, Grace Awakening, this is what he writes. He wrote, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a savior. Loved ones, today, I just want to encourage you, keep reaching out in the name of Jesus to the neighbors you have here in Hampton Roads. Keep reaching out to the nations as you're doing. Why? Because of the awesome power of Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can ultimately heal broken people in the ways they need to be healed. Oh, oh you see, the reality is this. You see, this man understood he was powerless to handle his problems on his own. Do we recognize how much the world needs Jesus? Oh, keep pressing on in the name of Jesus because there's hopeless people. But number two, keep pressing on in the name of Jesus because of healing power. A healing power. Look with me what happens in verse 4. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. And look at what they said. They said, look at us. Verse 5, and so the lame man fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Now, just picture this. I don't know if if this happens much around here, but but where I live, sometimes, sometimes, like, you pull up to intersection, and there'll be somebody standing there holding a sign, and they're they're asking for money, or they're asking for a handout. They'll have, hey, you know, I need this. Can you help me with some money or something like that? And they'll be standing there with a sign. Now, look, when you pull up to the intersection, you pull up to the intersection, you know, if you started making eye contact with them, or like if you're like, hey, 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 what, what, do you, what do you think they're going to be expecting? They're going to be expecting you're going to probably give them a handout, right, Luke? I mean, when you pull up the intersection, that's why you do this. Man, you start looking at your phone. You start messing with the radio. The last thing you're wanting to do is make eye contact probably, right? Well, that's what happens here. Peter and John say, hey, 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 look at us. So he's expecting to get some change. But, oh, he's going to get some change, friend. He's going to get some change unlike he had ever, ever expected to receive. Look at verse 6. Peter said, I have no silver and gold. Don't you think right there in that split second, that lame man must have been like, well, then what's the deal? (laughs) Why are you asking me to look at you if you don't have anything to give me? He says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. And here it is. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You got to get verse 6, man. Verse 6, underline it, highlight it, memorize it. Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
And I love the way he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Just think about the name of Jesus. Just say that out loud. Just say the name of Jesus aloud right now. Jesus. Jesus. Just think about that name. How wonderful that name is. How marvelous that name is. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. I'll give you a little Christmas in July here. She'll bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. You see, oh, 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 that's, the, that's that dear name of our Lord, isn't it? Oh, that name of Jesus. It tells us that he's our savior. But he says, Jesus Christ. Christ, it means anointed one. It means commissioned by God the Father to save us. It reminds us that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the one whom the prophets foretold about, the one who came and has changed our lives. Colossians 1:24. for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus Christ. But that's not all he said, is he? He said, Jesus Christ of heaven. That's not what he said. He didn't say that. Jesus Christ of Jerusalem. That's not what he said either, is it? What did he say? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, I find that interesting because I went to Israel the other summer and, and they wanted to spend most of our time the guy I was with, he wanted to spend most of our time in Jerusalem. Oh, we spent some time up the Sea of Galilee. So much to see in Jerusalem, though. But he actually told me, he said, there's not really much need to go to Nazareth. There's not really but so much to look at there. You know, when they would refer in the Bible, when people would say, oh, that's Jesus of Nazareth, they actually kind of meant it as an insult. Because Nazareth was just an ordinary, ordinary town. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's the Jesus I'm talking about, Peter's saying. I'm talking about the guy who's from your town. I'm talking about the Jesus Christ who came to your street, who came to your neighborhood, who comes for all of us ordinary folks, who comes for every single human being. Doesn't matter what side of the tracks you was raised on. Doesn't matter the color of your skin. Doesn't matter what you got in your bank account. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have. The bottom line is this, Jesus Christ of Nazareth has the power to heal and change your life. And loved ones, that's why for 195 some years, the mission of this church really hasn't changed. Now you think about that. I just heard a train whistle, right? You realize when this church was started, trains didn't even exist? Think about that. When this church was started, there were no airplanes. I saw a really beautiful looking motorboat or yacht or something down there on the Nansman River coming across over in here this morning. That, those didn't exist. You had to have big sailboats and stuff like that. Y'all know that. I'm just telling you, one thing hasn't changed. The only one who has the healing power to save souls, to transform lives, to make me into the man that I need to be and that God wants me to be is Jesus Christ. The only one who had the power to really, really change that lame man's life for good and forever was Jesus Christ. Oh, they could have given some pocket change. 
They could have given some money to maybe buy a new uh, suit of clothes or buy a sandwich or maybe a better mat to be laid on when they laid him outside the temple. But Jesus Christ of Nazareth changed his life forevermore because Jesus has healing power. Today, I want you to remember and never forget that there's power in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There's power in the name to make you well. Over in Acts chapter 4, verse 10, the Bible says, By the name of Jesus, this man is standing before you. He's well. Peter, when they brought him in and said, What gives? What's going on? What's all this fuss going on at the temple today? Oh, it calls to stir. The temple wasn't used to lives being changed like that. Oh, it's a good thing when, when the place we come to worship gets a little stirred up because Jesus is changing lives. Amen? Amen? Kind of throws us off the kilter a little bit. But loved ones, that's what it's about. This man, Peter says, he's been made well. Jesus Christ can make you well. John chapter 2, you know, John doesn't say anything. But John sure does write a lot of things, doesn't he? He doesn't say anything in this, in this encounter, but I think about what John wrote in the Gospel of John. John chapter 2, Jesus changed water into wine, and Jesus is the joy for our disappointments. I think about how John wrote in John chapter 4, how he healed the nobleman's son, reminding us that Jesus gives us the assurance for our doubts. When that dad would have proclaimed, oh, I have faith, but oh, help my unbelief. I think about Jesus healing the paralytic and John tells us in John chapter five that Jesus is the strength for our disabilities. Oh, I wonder, I wonder if he was even remembering that today on this day. Jesus fed the 5,000. John wrote about that, teaching us that he's our satisfaction. He writes about the healing of the blind man and teaches us that Jesus is the light of the world. And he raises Lazarus from the dead. And John wrote about that too, teaching us that Jesus said he's the resurrection and the life. Loved ones, I think about all of what this church and even what this room, what this room has seen. All the weddings that have took place here. And the hope for a marriage and a hope for a family is found in Jesus Christ. And then I think about all, all the funerals that have took place here. And what gives us hope in the midst of that despair and that grief. It's the reality that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That's what I'm talking about being well. That's how, that's how the hymn writer could say it's well with my soul. There's power in the name of Jesus to make you well. There's power in the name of Jesus to get you into heaven. Over in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, Peter would go on to say, nor is there salvation in any other name other than the name of Jesus Christ. There's power in the name of Jesus for answered prayer. Towards the end of Acts chapter 4, you see as these people are praying they're praying in the name of Jesus. Your prayers don't have to be fancy. You don't have to always write down your prayers. You don't have to memorize your prayers. You can pray from your heart and your soul. But let me just give you a piece of advice, a piece of counsel. When you pray, pray in the name of Jesus. Because that's why, that's why you can come before the throne boldly. Because you don't come in your own name. You come in the name of of Jesus. Oh, and there's even power in the name of Jesus to enable us to battle evil. Remember over in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 17, Luke, 
who wrote the book of Acts, he wrote the Gospel of Luke, he said the 70 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So loved ones today, I just, I just hope we'll be reminded to keep pressing on in the name of Jesus because there's healing power. The story is told of the day that Thomas Aquinas was visiting Rome. And he was visiting Rome and the, 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 the Pope was giving him a tour of the Vatican and came into the Vatican treasuries. And the story is told that the Pope walked over to the vast, vast gold and silver and all the jewels that the Vatican by that time had accumulated. And wanting to, to show Thomas Aquinas the vast wealth of the church, he took his hand and he kind of moved it through the gold and you could hear the gold just chiming away. And supposedly he looked at Aquinas and he said, no longer does the church have to say, silver and gold have we not. And Thomas Aquinas supposedly looked back at the Pope and said, yes, but dear sir, no longer can the church say, rise up and walk. The church can have great financial means that day it wasn't about the budget, it wasn't about the building, it was about the name of Jesus. And loved ones, I'm telling you, that's the difference maker. The difference maker of being a church after 195 years is still proclaiming Jesus Christ and still have folks showing up for worship and still has folks going out on mission, still have folks going on children's camps and mission trips. And thank you, for, sir, for going and being on that trip. May many more like you do that. Want to know what makes the difference? It's because there's power in the name of Jesus, friend, that's what. So today, the message isn't complicated. It's really quite simple. It's for us to never, ever get over the fact that there's power in the name of Jesus. Just say that name again with me. Would you just say Jesus again? Jesus. Keep pressing on. Lastly, what you see here, the rest of the story is this. Look at verse 7. He took him up by the right hand, and he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. It's interesting, Luke, Luke supposedly was a medical physician. And, and I was reading about this passage, and actually, the phrasing that is used here, immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, it's the idea, it's only used here by Luke, and it's actually medical terminology. And it's the idea that the man's joints weren't right. And, and, and something has now happened in his joints to where now they're in the proper alignment, the proper place. That's what Luke was writing, meaning us to understand when he says, immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, leaping up, he stood and he began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And then, oh, that's not all. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And the Bible says they were all filled with wonder and amazement 
at what had happened to him. Now what's amazing is, you, is you've seen his hopeless, hopeless situation. You, know, you, you see the healing power. But oh, you keep pressing on. Why? Because there's hallelujah impact. And I chose the word hallelujah, Luke, and we sang that in one of the songs. Because it means praise the Lord. And that's what you see happens here. This man goes from just sitting outside the temple. First time in his life, he's able to walk inside. And the Bible tells us that he's leaping and he's walking and he's praising God. And then when the people see him, they recognize him. And they see that his life's been changed. And they start praising the Lord and giving thanksgiving. Oh, loved ones, understand this. When lives are transformed in the name of Jesus Christ, oh, never get over that. Never get over the idea of seeing people walking and praising the Lord. Oh, the lame man is transformed. The people at the temple are amazed. They're amazed at the miracle. Now, now mind you, in Acts chapter 4, you're going to see people not just amazed, you're going to see some people annoyed. Not everybody's always going to applaud everything you do as you proclaim Christ as a church. Not everybody's always going to applaud you when you go to Fuge Camp. They're not. They're not always going to applaud you when you stand for Christ and you follow Christ instead of following the crowd at school. I have three children, a 22-year-old nurse who's now a nurse. She just got married. I have a 20-year-old son. I have a 15-year-old daughter. My 20-year-old son knows what it's like. He was an athlete. He was popular in many ways. He was academically very, very successful at a significant public high school in Richmond. But he knew what it was like to sometimes just have to stay at home on Friday night or after the football game, come on home because what other folks are going to go out and do. I'm just telling you, not everybody's going to always applaud. But people are amazed. Don't ever get over the hallelujah impact of a life changed by Jesus Christ. And ultimately what happens is the gospel is proclaimed. Because everybody wants to know, how did this happen? And loved ones, when Jesus Christ has transformed your life, you don't have to wait all day to start telling people how Jesus Christ has changed your life. You just start telling them what Jesus has done in your life. And you say, well, Brian, I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm an old person now. Nobody wants to hear my story. Oh, friend, listen to me. Listen to me. There's no statute of limitations on you sharing witness of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. I know a whole lot of young people that want to hear older people still talk about how Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and majestic and holy and wonderful and amazing. Wherever you find yourself, whatever generation you're in this morning here at this church, I pray that you'll lock arms together and you'll keep pressing on in the name of Jesus. A few things for you to just maybe take away with you as you get ready to go home. Pray for boldness. That's what they do at the end of Acts chapter 4. They pray for boldness because they're, they're catching some flack. Keep praying for boldness, church. Number two, see the person. See the person. Don't just see people. 
see the person. See the person, see the individual. Believe Jesus saves. You see, I, I just don't see how Jesus could save that person. Can you imagine what they used to say about the Apostle Paul? He held the clothes for everybody when they killed Stephen, remember? Yet Jesus transformed his life. You keep believing Jesus saves. But that means this. You're going to have to keep sharing the gospel. Because Peter and John, well, they could have just walked right by up to that guy and just flipped him a quarter. But yet, they were willing to share Jesus with him. I just want to ask you, just, would you just stand up right now right where you are? Just bow your heads in prayer. You're going to sing a song of, of worship give you some time to consider what you've heard but I just want to ask you to bow your heads right now bow your heads with me if you would if you just close your eyes out of respect for one another I just want to ask you ask you something right now if you're in this room and you're not you're not absolutely sure that you have had your life transformed by Jesus Christ I just want to invite you just right now as this song is being sung you don't don't, don't sing the song I'm going to invite you just to just to pray to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, I need you to transform my life. And after church service, before you leave this room, just come up, talk to, talk to Brother Wilson, come find Brother Lou, come, maybe someone invited you, just tell them, say, I, I today need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Loved ones, this isn't rocket science, all right? Jesus said you can come unto him just like a little child. You may also be here today, and if you need a church home, I pray that you'll just get involved right here. But maybe you're here today, and you've just needed to be reminded that there's still power in the name of Jesus. Maybe you need to pray again for that prodigal. Maybe you need to pray again for that lost neighbor. Maybe you need to pray again for God to light a fire back within you to start serving again in the church. Oh, Father, I pray as we sing this song that, oh, Lord, you'll remind us to keep pressing on because there's power in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord God, we love you. Fill these folks with your Holy Spirit, I pray. And, Lord Jesus, may you continue to be proclaimed through this, your church, until your return. In Christ's name we ask you. Amen. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. 
Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving Father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. 